ladies and gentlemen, all besties, welcome to our podcast, Dining Discussions. We are all freshmen at the University of Alabama at Birmingham doing our collaborative project for Miss Amy Kate's class. I'm Ella, and I'm here with Addison, Mariani, Gabby. Today, we're going to be talking about polarization and where we can see polarization in our society today. So we're going to, we each did our own little segments of this topic. Um, I focused on Roe versus Wade or like a historical sort of narrative. And Mariani over here focused on the education perspective. We also had a little bit of income inequality from our girl Ella and some technology with Gabby. So we're going to start off with Gabby. Um, how does the media affect our identity from what you wrote about? Uh, so I, I don't know. <laughs> 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 so media affects our identity like in multiple ways because Pretty much in the 21st century, all we use is media. Media is basically like streaming sites, uh, social media, online shopping, and we pretty much do a lot of that nowadays. I do too much online shopping. That's facts. With the plants. <laughs> <laughs> the plants. <laughs> but yeah, so do you think it's negative, positive, mix of both? I would say it's a mix of both because obviously, like, technology has advanced us in many ways. It's made our lives very, like, easier. We can communicate with others and get information very fast. But it's also negative because of companies that control technology, basically. So what do we give up? when we turn on media. That was so great. Oh, I love God. that. <laughs> uh, so when, when we give up is basically like personal rights, I guess, because every time you look up something online or on a social media app like Instagram, Snapchat, the companies are basically uh, tracking your location and the information you put in it. So like basically on Instagram, if you like look up something about knitting, they're going to just start showing you a bunch of stuff about knitting and like giving you ads about yarn because they want to like make your personal feed like fit the things that you like or are interested in so you can keep like coming back to their sites. Would that sort of like play into like confirmation bias and all of that sort of stuff? It does because in basically whatever you look up, even without your choice, it's just going to play things that you're interested in. So, now you don't even like have the choice to see other things that like differ from your opinion. Mm, the algorithm, like that TikTok for you page, getting me all the time. It just calls me out every single day. <laughs> all right, so Mariani with that education. How did <laughs> our future teacher over here? How does technology affect us socially? Well, it's. It's with the pandemic, it's like really, it's more obvious about how uh, technology affects us because we went from the classroom bustling to just uh, to a screen inside an empty room with just us studying, removing the personal aspect from teaching. And school isn't just about 
learning. It's about learning how you fit into society through other people because you're constantly associating with your peers and your teachers and you're learning how to interact with each other and you learn vital communication skills to later serve you in, later in life. Okay, you can be my kid's school board director, please, any day. That was okay. great. <laughs> um, how has the pandemic influenced the use of technology in schools? Um, as I said before, it's like, it's greatly emphasized and they've, as we see, even though the, that we're in-person teaching now, we still have the option of online classes and all that. And th that still removes the personal aspect from teaching. And it's not the same and it never will be because you're lacking that teacher-student relationship, which makes learning more enjoyable and lets you connect to the subject more. And just when, when you ask a student what their favorite subject is, they usually don't just say math because of just what they're learning. It's because the teacher makes it enjoyable for them. That's true. So do you think that the pandemic is like, and the influence of technology is benefiting or hurting youth today? Well, I think it's it's doing both. And like Gabby said before, because even though it's exposed, technology has, you have multiple possibilities to be exposed to anything you want. But because of the algorithm, it shows you only what you, they knows that you like. And so technology, it's polarized education compared to what, what it was before, because before, School was a very social thing. You went to school from eight to three and you talked and you did group work and you collaborated with each other and you learned how to work in a group. And that is a very vital skill to learn in the future. But now it's, it's very separated and without those vital skills that they learn in throughout the school, then if they don't learn it then, then when are they gonna learn it? Because in the workforce, it's already too late because you're already, you're being, in the high risk situations when you need to learn how to communicate with others. That is definitely true. I feel like it's so important too, especially for middle school kids. And Mariani wants to be a middle school teacher, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're gonna be so good at that. <laughs> I can definitely see it. I feel like you're gonna be good there because like, I did not like middle school, but I feel oh, like I would have vibed. I would die. I could not. Middle schoolers are the worst. They like bully you. But we wish you the best. Yeah, okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> no, Mary Lonnie can do it. She'll be good. <laughs> so turning to our girl Ella with the income inequality. Uh -huh. <laughs> Don't be scared. We got you. How does income divide us and how does that affect our day-to-day -day lives? So in my essay that y'all can read on our website. Oh, I yes. We forgot to publicize. <laughs> we have a website. And at Instagram, you should definitely check that out. I talked a little bit about how income really divides us, and it starts really young. So I talked about like a little personal experience, because when I was little, we like didn't go out and spend 50 bucks on a Halloween costume. And even something that simple, like kids would like separate based on who had the like store-bought costumes and who had to cut up an old t-shirt. So like we are divided based off of income. So I think that it's important that we come together regardless of like what income group we're in. Do you think that the pandemic has like exacerbated this or just like blown it out of proportion? Oh, 100%. I mean, you can see how high the unemployment rates were, especially at the height of the pandemic. 
And with unemployment rates that high, people who were already low income are people that lost their jobs, especially, and they were laid off and it just made the income inequality worse because they just couldn't have that income. And if they're living paycheck to paycheck, it just really exacerbated the situation. So by living in America, we, I mean, we can definitely see this um, out the window on our front porch and stuff like that. But do you think this is a worldwide issue? Oh, 100% is a worldwide issue. Um, I have a little statistic to um, give you an example of this. Most people will go in the, to get a coffee in the morning. And if you go to Starbucks, you're paying $6 for that coffee. Mm. More than or almost half of the world all, like half of all humanity is living on less than $5.50 a day. So people who are going into $6 Starbucks, that's someone's entire day of spending as lunch, breakfast, dinner, if they want to get a birthday present for their kid. Like, it's just crazy to think how blessed we are to live in a country where we can, like, have things. And you can just see, like, we have income inequality in, amongst America, but it's also... worldwide issue that definitely does put stuff in perspective i don't know about you guys but after my class i like to walk myself over to stern and get myself a little coffee to survive for the next class because i only have one more after that but but yes i do like starbucks okay (laughs) you walk all the way to stern like up the hill it's right across the street that's that's a lot of effort (laughs) i went to stern today get my starbucks Although, I had to use those $90. They're burning a hole in my one card. So, do you think that these income gaps are inevitable? Do you think we'll ever close them? I don't think we're ever going to fully get rid of income gaps. But I do think that something should be done to close the gaps. Like, we're never going to have everyone 100% equal because people are innately different. And those differences are what makes us, like, amazing. But... We should do something so that it is more equitable and everyone can be on the same playing field so that we can have the same opportunities in life. Yeah. So on that topic, what do you think we should do about income inequality? Is it a polarizing issue? It is a polarizing issue because there's a lot of discussions about what we should do about it, if we should do something about it. And I mean, no one knows for sure what would work, but... I mean, there's never going to be a 100% answer, and I don't have a good answer, obviously, because like I'm a freshman in college. But um, <laughs> I do think that we should work towards making things more affordable. Right now, especially with the pandemic, a lot of people are laid off, so they have less money, and inflation is a huge issue right now. So we need to do something so that people can afford the basic necessities. Yeah, when you were talking about how we're just freshmen in college and there's not a whole lot we can do yet. Um, It's definitely interesting because what we can do as people in college is learn. And that kind of moves into what I'm talking about, about learning about the past and Roe versus Wade. Do you want me to interview you, darling? Let's do it. Roe v. Wade is... Ooh, I can't read. Sorry. (laughs) Um... It's one of the most polarizing court cases in history. Do you know what it is that makes it so polarizing? I would definitely say it has to do with life. And I think that people definitely have very 
very extreme views on life and reproduction rights and stuff like that. Um, I think uh, over the centuries, even before Roe v. Wade, um, birth control and abortion have been things that have been talked about and fought about and st- um, all throughout the world, really. And even to this day, it's still something that we talk about just a couple months ago in Texas, in other cultures and other countries. So I feel like it's always been something that's going to be talked about and probably always will be, which makes it a great discussion topic for us right now. So we are on a two-party system, and there's two sides in this um, argument. Do you um, want to briefly touch on what the two sides are and how that turns into partisanship in government? So I do believe you did say that there's two sides. I would say that there's more than that. Um, In my paper, I definitely use the word gradient a lot. So you can definitely go check that out. I don't think that politics or really much anything is black and white. There are extremes on each side. Like there's people who think extremely, oh, yes, abortion anytime, whenever you want. It's right to choose. And there's people who think never, never correct, yada, yada, yada. But then there's a whole bunch of in-between that we don't really talk about a lot because the black and the white aspect of it very much shine through on the news and social media. And it's so much easier just to start a two Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, because it's easier for the mind to remember. It right. gets things shorter and sweeter. So you're saying we should look more at coming together and what we can agree on rather than being so polarized? Yes, and I definitely do believe that we just need to listen to each other because I think that because it's we only see the black and the white, it's very easy to lump somebody with the extreme when that's not exactly what they think. Right. Because we don't take the time to listen out to the rest of what they're saying. So what is it exactly that Roe v. Wade has demonstrated? It's kind of demonstrated very much aggression and how extreme situations like this can explode. Um, it def- There was a lot of protests and stuff like that, and also the longevity of it. Like, even to this day, 50 years later, we're still having this debate, even coming back to this case and talking about how maybe we overrule it, maybe we stick to it and stuff like that. So it's kind of really interesting. It's something we haven't seen in a very long time in the government about how we, the a Supreme Court has declared one thing, but now we're gonna possibly overrule it. So what do you think that we can learn from this case? I think that we can learn that the past is never in the past. I de- that it can be in the future. We can still learn from it today and that we do need to listen to each other and actually listen and not have a just speak our own minds. I do believe that talking is a two-way street. You gotta talk as much as you listen, if not more. I mean, listen as much as you talk, if not more. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. Now you've touched on what's happening with the abortion issue right now, but can you touch on how the pandemic's exacerbated this issue? I don't know about you guys, but I definitely feel like I was stuck behind the TV a lot more during this pandemic than I've ever been. And I feel like that forced a lot of people to have to to hear out and just watch things unfold. And 
the news, I've never had so many news apps on my phone ever, <laughs> but um, I definitely hear everything that's going on, all of the things that are coming up. And I think that's giving a lot more people voices and opinions on topics that they once never thought really meant anything to them. Especially because, you know, with media, uh, you get your personalized experiences. So like one side, you know, like Fox News and CNN, they're like really big news outlets and they talk about completely different things on the same topic, which again, increases polarization because even though they're talking about the same issue, they're giving two completely different sides. So that just further increases people's mindset on their opinion about abortion, but they're not learning or seeing the other side of it. Oh, that is so true. I had a project in high school and we would go and see the same case and it was covered by the two opposing news outlets and totally different story. But it's so hard to find a nonpartisan news source. That is definitely very true. So back to your issue, Addison. How do you think that this has impacted women's rights? Um, I definitely... So at the beginning of this whole journey with Roe v. Wade, when the actual case was taking place, it was definitely a step in an upward direction for mm -hmm. women's rights. I think now we're kind of reaching a possible plateau with the case coming back up and being reevaluated. So I do believe it's kind of had a very up and down impact on women's rights, but hopefully we'll see we'll see where it goes in the future. Like we said, we're just freshmen in college. But next thing you know, we're going to be... That's why we're here. We're exactly. here so we can learn so that yeah. we can be the future decision makers. Exactly. So we'll see where we go. So who wants to conclude us? Um, in the midst of so much polarization, it can be so easy to get caught up in our own beliefs and viewpoints. But it is important to remember to be open to listening to other people's ideas and find a middle ground because if everyone is screaming, and no one is listening. In order to create change, we as a society must change. For the children. For the, For the children. children. <laughs> For the children. Thank you guys for listening to Dining Discussions. And don't forget to visit our website and our Instagram. Bye, guys.